but really we can only ask him. Who is this person you keep on talking about? They call him Aslan in that place, said Eustace. What a curious name. Not half so curious as himself, said Eustace. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. I'm Chase. And thank you so much for joining us. Just a reminder today that we are starting the sixth book, Chase. We're starting the sixth one. Yeah. Uh, And that book is called The Silver Chair. Uh, But general spoiler warning, because uh, though we're talking about the Narnia series as a whole, we are going to go on to tangents into other pieces of fiction and pop culture that we do enjoy. Uh, We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today, as as I said earlier, we are discussing chapter one of The Silver Chair, Behind the Gym. What a name. Jim Halpert? Yes. Behind the J-I-M. No, just kidding. This, this no. entire chapter takes place hiding behind the, the tall dude in the office. Which behind Jim Halpert would just be Michael Scott's office. I mean, yeah. Or I guess the window between the uh, the conference room and the, the rest right, of the office. Head. Yeah. I can, I can respect that. I really tried to piece that joke together as it was coming out of my mouth and it did not, did not hey, go well. Sometimes you start a sentence just hoping you'll find your way off in the end. And Chase, with that, would you like you to find your way to a summary? I, I would summary my way. Um, <laughs> it's about how this one's going to go, Kel. Uh, all right. So it was a dull autumn day and Jill Pohl was crying behind the gym. Jill was being bullied, and in the opinion of the author that he makes sure to let you know, that was because she went to a co-ed school, and all co-ed schools are bad. As Jill sat crying behind the gym, a boy came walking around the corner whistling and almost ran into her. He saw she was crying and asked, what's up? But Jill only made faces trying to keep from bursting back out into crying. The boy understood and began to try to say something helpful, but Jill lashed out in anger, saying no one asked him to get involved, and he was such a suck-up to the bully kids anyway, so he was one to talk. He tried to sit down next to her, but the grass was wet. It's about his luck. His last name is Scrub after way. This is Eustace. Yeah, that Eustace. Uh, but he tried to explain how, no, no, he actually tried to stand up to the bullies and all this stuff, and Jill still snapped back at him a bit, but then she apologized, saying he did actually do some of those good things this term. Eustace asked if she could forget last term, since he was a different chap back then. Apparently, everyone had noticed that Eustace was, in fact, different now, uh, to the point where he might become a target of the bullies himself instead of their lackey. Jill asked why he was different last term, and Eustace said a lot happened to him over the holidays. She asked what sort of things, and he was quiet for a second, and he asked if he could trust her. He said this was a big secret. It would take some believing if she had it in her, that he had been out of the world, like to a different world, to one with enchantments and dragons, like the things in fairy tales. He felt awkward saying it all because it sounds crazy, and when Jill asked how all that happened, he said it was by magic with two of his cousins. The way they were talking in whispers made Jill almost want to believe him, 
But she said if she finds out he was lying, she would never speak to him again. He swore it was true, and they reflected together how uh, they just wish they could be there instead of this dull, horrible co-ed school. Eustace said he supposed he would have said something if there was a way back into that world, he being Aslan, of course. Uh, they decided it was worth trying anyways and stood up to try to do some kind of magic enchantment thing that Eustace saw in Narnia, but not on the page when we were reading it. Uh, he told her to repeat after him, and they said, Aslan, Aslan, Aslan. And then he started to go on when they heard some of the bullies looking for Jill. And they heard her, them say, oh, well, she's blubbering behind the gym. They looked for a way to escape and scrambled up a hill. He said he wished the door was open again, referring to a door that was usually locked at the top of the hill that they were running towards and that would take them off of school grounds. They tried it, and the handle turned. Once it was open, they stood for a second just shocked at what they saw. On the other side wasn't the rainy gray field they expected, but the blazing sunshine of a different world entirely. They hesitated, but when they heard the voices of the bullies drawing closer, they went through. They found themselves on the top of a very tall mountain with huge trees in every direction. Uh, Jill wasn't afraid of heights, but she was kind of afraid of heights. She was pretty shaken because they were on the edge of a sheer cliff that was taller than anything you'd ever see. Uh, she got a little dizzy standing so close to the edge, but she also didn't want to back away for fear of what Scrub, that's Eustace, might think of her. But he kept warning her like, hey, back away from the edge a bit. When she wouldn't listen, he tried to go help pull her back a little bit and tripped past her and fell off the edge. Luckily, some large, brightly colored animal had rushed to the edge and was blowing off of it a huge wind like a vacuum cleaner sure. Uh, and looking out, she saw a tiny black speck floating away from the cliff and slightly upward and then further away. It was obviously moving away at a great speed, and Jill couldn't help but think that the creature next to her was the one making that happen. So she turned to look at it, and what do you know, Kel? It was a lion. Who'd have thought, man? Who, who would have thought? Chase, it was a dull autumn day. And Jill Pohl was crying behind the gym. What a way to start. Our a very poetic sentence. It's got a lot of internal rhyming to it. Yeah. It's, Jill Pohl. It's great. You know, uh, I, how do you feel about the name Jill Pohl? Jill Pohl. <laughs> Jill Pohl's got a career ahead of her. <laughs> Jill Pohl sounds like a librarian, to be honest. Jill Pohl is a terrible name. But then yeah. again, so is Eustace. Actually, Eustace Scrub is a fantastic name. Let's be honest. It's it's kind of grown on me. It like it's fantastic in the way that it just sounds like a person you're supposed to hate. Yeah, and and you do until Bill you don't. Paul sounds like the name of someone who's supposed to be very boring. Yeah, man, it sounds I, like she's there on a dull autumn day. She is the reason that it is a dull autumn day. Honestly. Pope needs should be crying behind the gym. She deserved that. Deserves I, I'm on the bully side now. Hot take from Chase, siding with the bullies <laughs> chapter. I'm not going to lie. I think if you go back and listen to the course of this podcast, you would see that this is not the first time that I've been pro-bully <laughs> on this podcast. Chase is the guy that watches Star Wars and is like, I feel like people are hating on the Empire a little bit too much. 
not the empire. I'm not a, I'm not a fascist. <laughs> I just think that sometimes bullies are funnier than uh, their peers are old enough to understand. That's fair. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm joking. It was a joke. <laughs> That's a bit that I used to do years ago. Anyways. Anyways. So... We, we, come upon, problem. we come upon the boring Jill Pole, we assume. We don't really know. Actually, she's not. You know, we'll, we will discover. We uh, don't know anything about her yet other than that she knows how to cry and uh, is out of school. And Chase, let's... Man, do you know who has opinions on this school? It's not you or me. It is C.S. Lewis who oh, roasted this school just so that he could roast it. I mean, it's kind of... This is the fruition of last book when C.S. Lewis was criticizing Eustace's liberal parents. Sure. Now he gets to criticize Eustace's liberal school. Sure. And by liberal, he just means allowing boys and girls to be in the same school together. Oh, yeah. If you, uh, if you wanted to hear a conservative rant today, don't turn on your favorite news station. Go read the first chapter of this book. He's, it's, uh, it's a it, time. He's got some Fox Newsy, you know, little parts in here. These uh, these co-ed schools are are going to destroy our culture, Kel. Yeah, what happens if girls know the same things that boys do? Should shouldn't they be back at home? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly it's a travesty. Hopefully, listeners. That was a solid Tucker Carlson. Hopefully, listeners, you understand at this point. If you're still with us after five books, after the after the voyage of the Don Treader, if you're still here, then hopefully you understand. We we're joking and very much don't agree. Oh, I'm not taking any positions. I'm doing a bit. Yeah, it's literally we're just. It's just kind of a ridiculous start to this book. Is just ranting about why like the the badness of boys and girls schools being like mixed but that's how he starts and just and it will he'll have other little shots that he takes throughout this chapter so don't worry we'll come back to it Uh, the first page like the premise that c.s lewis dives into is the idea that if boys and girls are in the same school that means that they get to do whatever they want. That means the kids are in charge now, which means that the kids get to bully whoever they want. And when you put boys and girls in the same place and let them do whatever they want, obviously that's just some psychological mumbo jumbo. It really doesn't track in a linear fashion. Like this no. Lewis's rant here doesn't go anywhere. It's it just, in, <laughs> it's just in complaining. In truth, this this is a the problem that he creates in this seems like a very specific problem to this specific school. Like if like no school, like regardless of if it's all boys, all girls, co-ed, whatever, goes, yes, children, do whatever you want, bully whoever you want. Like that's a if that's happening at this school, that's a this school problem. Like no, no co-ed school is going, yes, we're doing this. 
so that the toughest boys and toughest girls can pick on the weaker kids like Winston and yes. Jill Foltz. This is the Darwin school. I guess, but like... Which, like, putting on my education degree hat for a second, actually letting students have more freedom within their education process to learn in the manners and styles that they actually receive information is good education theory. That's not what this is talking about, though. I mean... This is the... This is those... Those people at ex- this school is called Experiment House, by the way, listener. If you want to get the vibe of what what he's going for, <laughs> um, but it's yeah, which like maybe it is, it is the straw man of schools. Maybe maybe he's like drawing from like actual real world inspiration for the title of this school. If he is, like this is a rant for me that I have about just like naming buildings in general. Like, I feel like people should really, like, especially like churches, schools, things like that, that have different buildings. And you're like, oh, go to this building. I feel like you should be really cognizant of what you name things. Because, like, Experiment House obviously doesn't sound like a school. Sounds like a place that mad scientists go and experiment on, like, hopefully not humans, but probably well, you know. Lewis's opinions, that's what we're doing with our youth when we send them to co-ed schools. But, but it's the same as like churches or, you know, places that like title their, you know, one of their buildings like education center. I speak from personal experience here where it's like, do you know what that sounds like, Chase? It sounds like a concentration camp to me. Yeah, that's rough. But that's it's a common thing. And so it's like, maybe you guys just like think about how you name things. But all that to say, we'll come back to the school because right now we got to deal with Jill Pohl and her crime. Well, I'm uh, sure we'll get back to the school at the end of the book. Oh, I'm I'm sure, you know, uh, that's going to happen. You know, they got to come back at some point. Uh, but Jill Pohl, she's crying. She's, you know, hiding behind the gym, which is where we get the title of this chapter. Seems like a seems like a significant title for an insignificant moment. But maybe that's just me. I mean, you could say, in a way, this whole book takes place behind the gym. Depends on what your definition is. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, technically, yes. We're all behind the gym. <laughs> At a certain point, yeah. If you think about it. If you think about it. In a sense. In a manner of speaking. From a certain point of view. Uh, <laughs> but as she's crying, uh, some boy who's just walking around whistling like a dope. <laughs> just, Who does he think he is? Just walks almost just laying hands in pockets casual like. Yeah. This is like so granted, this is gonna turn out to be Eustace, so we can just talk about it. Eustace, this is what suspicious people do. Why are you walking around the back of a gym whistling? Eustace like, is up hands, to something. Eustace just stole something. I'm on a hundred percent sure. But is, this isn't in a gang now? He might be. I mean, he at least he used to be probably apparently uh, a bully gang, but he almost walked straight to Jill and she's like, yo, look where you're going. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, you're crying. What's up? What's going on? Uh, And then she just, you know, she can't really respond. And she, and he goes, Oh, it's them capital T I suppose. And them refers to the group of bullies uh, that everyone is aware of. They're, they're important enough to get their own uh, 
their own capital T. That man, it's a like maybe they are a gang, dude. Uh, but he's like, hey, you know, let's this no good crying. Let's you know, let's do something about this. And uh, like she gets mad at him. She's like, oh, you're just gonna go and suck up to them and you know curry favor and you know blah blah blah. And he's like, yo, I haven't done any of that this whole year. Like, can, like I'm I'm not the same. You know, and he starts li- listening to these examples of people that apparently matter in this school, who whatever. Um, and Jill started. I do want to know what those incidents he says are. Yeah, you know, he says, "Didn't I stand up to Carter about the rabbit? And didn't I keep the secret about Spivens under torture too? What happened to that rabbit? And who the heck is Spivens?" And what kind of has, for the for the listener, Spiffins has two V's in his name. Two V's. What is what was Spivens up to, and why was it such a big deal that you just had to keep that secret? And under torture, Chase. Under torture. Who's going on? Waterboarded. Man, Guantanamo. Maybe the school does need to get shut down. You know, honestly, I the experiment not, not, not for the co-ed reasons. Not because, you know, educational purpose, but because there's apparently no adults who run anything. Is this a boarding school or is this a school school? I believe this is Lord of the Flies. Okay. And, uh, they just named the island Experiment House. Ah, uh, that makes sense. You that also explains it. why when you leave the grounds, you're just in a, in a field. Yeah. You don't it, end up anywhere. If you... If you look in the background, you know, in the, you know, the pictures, you can see like a, like a little chubby dead kid. Uh, so it's tough. Uh, maybe that was. If they leave him in the frame just to make a point. Maybe that was Fivens. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Jill's, you know, she's starting to hear him out. She's like, I don't know. I don't care. And, you know, then she's like, you know what? You're right. Like, I, I'm sorry. You haven't done all these things this term. And then, you know, but really emphasizes that this term part and uses is like, then wash out last term if you can. I was a different chap than I was. Gosh, what a little tick I was. And Jill's like, yeah, it's fair. It's a yeah, great call. Y'all agree. Yeah. And, uh, stuck to use this. <laughs> and, but then they mention this change that he's undergone. Uh, and they're like, yeah, everyone's noticed it. They've, you know, everyone's talking about it. And they say, like, you know, Someone's got to get a hold of that scrub kid. He's quite unmanageable this turn. We shall have to attend to him next. So now he's gone from being a bully to being a target of the bullies. And, you know, we obviously know what happened. And it's like, oh, this is, you know, the result of, you know, the, like, change that he underwent in Narnia. Yeah, that, uh, I mean... See our last 16 podcasts if you want to know what happened to Eustace. But it is cool just seeing like that going to Narnia, which we now learn within the course of this conversation, was over the halls, over the holidays, uh, actually did have a lasting impact on Eustace, right? Like he went from being this terrible prick that we saw at the beginning of last book who he if you remember he was insufferable he was the kind of kid who well actually do on every other word that he was definitely a well actually 
he definitely thinks thought he was better than everybody. Like he was, he was a mess and his experience of having to learn humility through being a dragon who is also a cannibal who also has to be tortured out of his skin. Um, it again, listen to last, last books, <laughs> uh, podcasts, uh, actually did have a real impact on his personality long-term. And, and that personality is apparently way too trustworthy with really, really wild stuff here. Because uh, she's like, yo, what happened? And he's like, well, since you and I both hate this place, and that's our one common bond, is that we both hate this school and really hate the bullies here, I can trust you with what everyone else in the world would go, you're a crazy person. And he decides to tell her, yeah, basically I went to this magic place. Uh, I was magicked out of here uh, and was, you know, spent holidays uh, with places where animals can talk. There are enchantments and dragons and things like you'd feel in fairy tales. And I got there by magic and Jill just goes, cool. Right on. Great. Is is it that kind of school? Is it the kind of school where you have no facts and people buy into that sort of thing? Like, like that is, he sounds insane. He, he sounds, sounds like insane. he needs to like maybe go talk this out in some he's therapy. Either, he's either insane or he's being a huge a-hole. And yeah. maybe like, like just screwing with her, you know? Uh, or no, what really happened to me? Magic. But, like, because he was whispering it in hushed tones, and now he's believable. This is an ASMR podcast now. It could be. But. And Eustace leaned over and said, Jill, would you believe me if I said. That's it. I'm not going to keep going. I thought you were about to quote The Matrix, but. (laughs) Would you believe me if I said this one? Is this the kind of school that would uh, give you your option of pills in the morning? I think this is the kind of school that would definitely side with the machines. I mean, 100%. Uh, but. Oh, the Matrix is a learning tool. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, you know, the one thing she is is like a tad bit suspicious. Just she's pulling her leg and she's like, if I find out you're doing this, he's like, I'm not. I swear I'm not. I swear by by everything and here's our second diatribe about why this school sucks chase because it's a little parenthetical aside and cs goes when i was at school one would have said i swear by the bible but bibles were not encouraged at experiment house now chase c.s lewis famously rejected christianity for a long time until his adult life when his you know through conversations with J.R. tolkien and their other friend he came to know Jesus. I don't think he was uh, paying that much attention to the Bible when he was in school. Also, C.S. Lewis hated school. Like C.S. Lewis went to horrible all boys boarding schools where he was bullied and just like was miserable. I've read multiple biographies of this dude. Like he hated it. And it wasn't until he got a little older and could go 
be the only student of a strange man in the countryside. Uh, also a weird situation that he actually enjoyed learning. Like it's not, who does he think he is to make these points? I guess is, is the idea. But it's, uh, it's that he would not have agreed with as a kid. Yeah. And, and also you're not supposed to swear by the Bible or the temple or the gold in it or anything else that's in the Bible. Yes. You swear on a Bible by God. Yeah. Like, or really Jesus says, don't make oaths of any kind to let your yes be yes. and Your no be no. If we want to go with biblical allegory, maybe it should be, to be honest, he probably shouldn't have been swearing by anything and just been a trustworthy person. Yeah, that's fair. But he's also going through his redemption arc, so he's got to do something. So he swears by the world. He swears by everything. And Jill's like, well, that's a lot, so I'll take it. Uh, and she, so they, they move on, um, and they're like, cool, how do we get there? And, and, and she's like, ah, well, you know, you know, my, my two cousins, uh, you know, this guy said that, you know, he can't, they can't come back, but he never said anything about me. So maybe I could, or could we, or I don't know. Uh, like, and then she's like, well, can we do something to make it happen? It's like, well, that's what I've been thinking about. Maybe we could, and like, she's, she's like, we could draw a circle and do charms and spells. And he's like, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, if we sacrifice a goat and put the blood at the five points of the circle. Correct. And it's, it's like, this is super weird. This is very, like, this took from like, like this, this little summoning of Aslan section, like, and they'll, they'll sort of redeem it in the next chapter, I believe. Uh, and, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll give you some good old Calvinist views in there as well, I believe. Uh, but right now it's just like, this became real, like Wiccan, uh, real. Uh, this whole first chapter is, is kind of, kind of messy on, on a lot of fronts. It leaves us with a lot of questions, Kel. Indeed. Uh, but, you know, she goes, who is this person that you keep talking about? And she, and Yusuf replies, they call him Aslan in that place. And she's like, well, that's a weird name. And like, yeah, that's you know, not as weird as he is, you know, but. Kind of you know, a weird dude. He's a lion walks on two legs with his hands behind his back. Yeah. But uh, it's like, then where is Eustace getting all of this information? He's like, all right, like, let's stand side by side and we'll hold our arms out in front with our palms down like they did on Ramandu's Island. What? And then they started doing the thriller dance. And like, but then they, they, they're like, let's face east. And then they're like, which way is east? And Eustace is like, you wouldn't, like, you're a girl. Of course you don't know which way is east. And she's like, you don't know what way is east either. And he's like, yeah, I do. It's that way. So the co-ed school is working. So it's working really, really well. And then they go, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And he appears, wait, sorry. They go, Aslan, Aslan, Aslan. And then they nothing happens. No, why would it? <laughs> this is not a thing. Not a thing. And this so, was a thing Lucy would be doing it every day. Yeah, for real. And the bullies finally find out where they are because, you know, snitches 
uh, you know, and well, and also if you're yelling Aslan over and over again, someone's going to hear you at some point. I was like, who's Aslan? I don't know. Probably a friend of Jill Poles. Uh, and they run around the gym. Uh, and so Jill and Eustace run around and they find this locked door and they decide, hey, let's try to open this door. And Chase, would you believe it? That door is still locked. And they just go, hey, let's just keep trying this locked door. Let's not run. Let's wish that the door was unlocked and then we'll be fine. And so they just are like, hmm, we're stuck in this alleyway. Let's just keep, oh, look at that. Wouldn't you believe it, Chase? The door is now magically unlocked. And so they go through it. But as, you know, they look through the door, they don't see, you know, what they expected, which was, you know, the gray, you know, slope going up to like wherever. I don't know what. I I don't know what a moor is, so I just took it to be a field. It's I believe that's what it is. But also, like, what door is this? Weren't they behind the gym? <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, they were outside already. You know how sometimes you're like someone's backyard will just have like a gate that goes to nowhere. It's like that, <laughs> except this one goes to a cliffside. I guess. But you just will jump off. He exclaims, oh, buy gum. And then they open the door. And what do they see? A giant cliffside. Uh, and, it, you know, with sunlight and like it's beautiful and gorgeous. And Jill's like, ah, I don't know if we should go this way. And, you know, Eustace is like, bruh. I mean, what, <laughs> what other way are we going to go, dude? He's like, you want to get bullied or do you want to go through this door? She's like, it's a great argument. Uh, and he's like, hold my hand so that we don't get separated. And that's going to last just like a, like a page or two. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, uh, how, how did this work? Is this, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it next chapter. I haven't read that far yet, but it kind of feels like they started their prayer to Aslan with their hands facing down, standing in their circle. And didn't finish it and so when they did finish it they said i wish this door was open and aslan is a genie obviously and so he opened the door which is how they got into like i took it to be like a both and like i wish this door was open so we could get away and i wish the door to narnia was back open was kind of how i took the the poetry of the book it's what will end up happening. So spoiler alert for the next chapter a little bit. We're not going to get into this too much, but basically they're calling out. They're calling out to Aslan and Aslan opens this door for them because they're like, man, we wish this door was open again. Uh, And like, so they're calling out and it turns out Aslan was actually calling them and their response was, to call to him. So yes. We'll get into the we'll get into the whole uh Calvinist predestination vibes here. Uh, talk about tulips next week, huh? Man, love me a good, you know, Dutch tulip. Uh, it's is it great. a uh, is it a five petaled tulip or a seven petaled tulip? You know, five or is three petaled tulip. It really depends. Uh I yeah, we'll we'll talk about that more because I, I love love me a good tool, you know. But we, we could uh, we could go as deep or as shallow as we want to in that 
how many how many of our listener can we lose you know i think we can handle it in a funny and, and fun way but we'll see uh so they decide to walk through the door and they are suddenly no longer in england but they are into that place uh because yeah you know i know what that is you just didn't really have time to, you know, explain what exactly was going on. Uh, and it's not going to. It's not going to, you know. And so bullies are gone. And what they see is just this wide open world and mountains. And, uh, you know, they were still holding hands, but they they saw massive trees and, uh, you know, giant forest and beautiful colors and animals. And it was great. And then Eustace is like, hey, look out. And Jill's like, man, screw you. Don't tell me, uh, you know, what to do. I'm not a kid. Uh, and she's like, it's just Freaking a cliff. It's empowerment. Am I right? Am I right? Co-ed schools. That's a joke for anyone listening. But uh, she's like, it's just a cliff. Uh, and, you know, she's not scared of heights. So it's like, yeah, what's the big deal? But then she actually goes up and looks at the cliff side. And apparently Narnia just doesn't have a bottom. Maybe this is the end of the world they were finding, Chase. Narnia needs to start doing squats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear, Chase. <laughs> Gotta develop a bottom. Here, You know, hey, if Narnia wants to look good in jeans, it's going to have to start putting in some work, you know? I think Narnia is for sure a short shorts kind of planet. Kind of Show off a little bit. Narnia looks great with a little thigh. A little thigh, you know. Would (laughs) Narnia be the kind of, like, planet to have a thigh tattoo? Narnia has a lion and a lamb thigh tattoo on either side. I respect that. (laughs) And sometimes... It works. Sometimes they just switch sides. Or blend. You never know. Uh, (laughs) They blend in the middle. Uh, But you don't get to see that. We're going to go ahead and just yep. move We're on. We're going to move on from this bit. Because <laughs> uh, it took a turn for the worst. But I like, thought it oh, was great. <laughs> here's, here's the cliffside uh, that, that has no bottom. So maybe I should actually take a step back. But I don't want Eustace to think that I'm scared. So I'm just going to like be cool about it. Um, and Eustace is like, I don't care you need to come back. And then he turns into Professor McGonagall. He goes, what are you doing, Paul? Come back, you blithering little idiot. Like, and like, man. Is that like, old Eustace breaking through? Yeah, maybe this is, this is uh, like C.S. Lewis making sure that we know that he is British uh, because he hasn't really done so the past, you know, like last book is kind of anti, you know, other than just talking about Britain. You know, Britishisms. Here we I go. mean, he talked a lot about British embassies. The embassies, sure. He's a very big believer. For a guy who's in a progressive school, he's he's definitely a fair believer in the you know British Empire. Uh, but well, British imperialism is still part of their curriculum. It's the fifties. It, it, you're not wrong. You know, um, but uh, he's like, hey, come back from there. And we don't really get a lot of description. It just says, like, th- like he's trying to pull her back and she's trying to, you know, pull free from him. And, like, they're struggling and, don't, you know, just kind of wrestling around a little bit. 
And then it says, Jill would know two things and remember two things as long as she lived. One was that she had wrenched herself free of Eustace clothes. The other, and at the same moment, was that Eustace, with a terrified scream, had lost his balance and gone hurtling to the depths. How? So what you're saying is she pushed him off that cliff. I'm not not saying it, Chase, because like she, he was behind her. I mean, that sounds pretty clear of like, all she knew is that she was struggling, ripped herself away, and then he just went flying past her. Like, he was behind her, though. He was away from the cliff trying to pull her back. She wrenches free. How did her momentum not carry her over unless she pulled him and launched him into the unknown? She has been lifting. She, she threw him straight what? off. She, she just bodies him right off the edge of this cliff. It, it's impressive. Like, that's, I think the only way that this makes, like, physical sense to me is that she, like, in the process of removing herself, threw him over the edge because Eustace is a weakling and she is yeah. apparently just yoked. Jack. Just throws a child off a cliff. Which not in a while. Honestly, we've all wanted to throw a child off a cliff. There. There. We get it. But uh, yeah, and for the listener, the reason we spend so much time on this is because, like we were talking before this, I had to read this page three or four times to even realize, oh yeah, Eustis did in fact fall off the cliff. Because it's not super clear. It's just that one line. And nothing else would point to this happening. Except for the large creature that just zooms up to the edge of the cliff with flash powers. And then goes, <gasps> and like a, like, this is the weird, like. The description makes no sense. So C.S. Lewis, there are, there's so many ways he could have described this. Because in essence, what's happening is Aslan or just as we, as you know, the reader is hearing, a giant lion runs up. We don't know that yet. A large colored creature. Sure, but we'll get it'll get revealed to be a lion at the like you know end of the of the chapter. Runs up next to Jill and proceeds to exhale violently, so that like a gust of wind swoops down into the valley picks up Eustace and carries him uh, like across the way to some other location that is safe, presumably. What I'm hearing is that Aslan is an airbender. Could be, probably. But that's how I picture this is just like Aang doing a little like tornado thing that goes down and scoops Eustace up and see, pulls him away. That would have like been description. They were like, okay, that kind of makes sense, I guess. But what he says is, it's just, it's just weird. The, the creature blows like a vacuum cleaner. He blows which is the wrong direction. It, well, he For says, the listener, if your va- if your vacuum cleaner pushes air out, that's not a vacuum cleaner. That's sure. a leaf blower. He goes. He blows out as steadily as a vacuum cleaner sucks in. So he's just describing the steadiness. He's describing a leaf blower. 
I don't, maybe they didn't have leaf blowers back then, but that's how leaf blowers work. Correct. You need to get a leaf blower. Your lawn looks terrible. Like, it's just, it's weird. Like, just say, like a fan. Like, they, I know they had fans. Or just say, like a gust of wind. Like a gust of wind. He, like, he, you know, he have ex- land breathe within. He, he breathed out. Aslan, land have your way. Aslan. <laughs> on, I'm doing a dumb bit. Oh, I know. And I like it. Uh, like, to, to describe exhaling in, like, by describing it as the reverse of sucking in is dumb. That makes no sense. Like, yeah. It, in, at the end of the day, the explanation is hand wave magic. Like sure. he didn't need to make he didn't need to make a gust of wind anyways. He could have just done Aslan magic and it happened. Or like a wind could have just come from everywhere all at once sure. and pushed him where he needed to go. One of his, you know, one of his buddies' giant eagles to swoop in and catch Eustace. That would be more sensible than what happened because, like, next chapter, the thing I do remember from reading this book a few years ago is that the same thing's going to happen to get essentially them to their starting point. Because this book, one of the reasons I actually like it, like, as far as its story structure goes, is kind of like a video game. Yeah. Like, you get your, like, they're pulled out of their world. They get plopped into like their new mission, sure. get their marching orders, and then essentially get teleported to yeah. the. Uh, they have their they have their overall quest, and then they have the mini quests that lead up to it. Yeah, but like even like in the way that like at the start of a video game, you'll be in an opening sequence, and like your boss in the game will be like, "Good, you're finally here." here is your quest if you choose yeah. to accept it. And then you'll just like fade to black and then come back like, oh, I'm on the battlefield now. Like that is essentially how the first three chapters of this book go, which More is fun, fun because yeah. like it's a children's book and that is perfectly fine. Yeah. It all works out in the end. You know, Eustace just uh, got blown over to a different cliffside, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, and Jill. I assume he's not dead. It'd be crazy if he just died. What right? He just died, That'd be so wild. If, if you die in Narnia, do you die in real life? Yes. Man. As we will discover next book. Yes. Yeah, this is... Uh... So. No, what we'll discover next book is way wilder. Yeah, but that's part of it. So, uh, but all that to say, Jill is watching all this go down and she is stunned because she just looks at the creature and dun, 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 it's a lion. What? And that's how the capture ends, Chase. Yeah. It ends on the word lion. Which it, I think, man, if I'm C.S. Lewis, I think I would try to end every single chapter with lion or with Aslan. By Aslan. End of chapter. He's not a tame lion. 
<laughs> Mr. Beaver just appears at the end of every chapter. He's not a tame lion, you know. He's a decrepit beaver at the end, you know. He's got a, a walking stick that he, you know, whittled from a tree. They come around their corner and the ghost of a beaver, he's not a tame lion. Voyage of the Don Dreader, he's swimming through the ocean. He's blah, 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 not blah, 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 a tame blah, 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 lion. Man, I think we could have written better books. <laughs> Just in Chronicles of Narnia by Chase Hansen and Kel Castle would have been would have been great. But Chase, would you like to dive further up and further in for us? I would love to dive off this cliff for you, Kel. Um, that's all I've asked. <laughs> that's all you've been looking for. Uh, man, this was just a really dark, uh, dark mission for you. Um, uh, there will be a lion waiting for you. I mean, you can only hope. Uh all right, so my further up and further in, talking about uh, this idea of breaking out of the ordinary. I think I talk about this pretty much every book or every other book at this point for the first chapter, but it continues to be true, and it's worth repeating because it's such a major theme in literature, in storytelling, in fantasy especially, but in the hero's journey in general. Like This is your Luke Skywalker narrative, right? You start out in on a dull autumn day. You're like C.S. Lewis has done everything he can to make this school, this school that he's got some strong opinions about in other realms, but at the end of the day, it is a boring, dull, sad, bully-filled like place that you don't want to be, filled with the desire to enter into a world of magic and color and sunshine and magic lions that can make vacuum cleaners and just all sorts of other stuff like this call out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary is the core of what fantasy is about it's what if around the corner there was magic it's what if you could open the door at the back of the school, but instead of being on a in a field, you found yourself on a sunny cliffside that your friend could go tumbling off of. Like the call to adventure is more alluring if you're starting from a place of ordinary and boring, right? So that's that's where where I'm starting this book out, breaking out of the ordinary. Love it. You're breaking out of the ordinary by doing the things that we've kept doing. Uh, but uh, again, I would like to uh, start this off with the idea of a redemption arc. We talked about this a little bit with Edmund uh, several books ago, uh, but the importance of a redemption arc. You see it in lots of great pieces of fiction uh, and sometimes history. But, you know, you see uh, Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender. You see... Uh, Steve Harrington in Stranger Things. You see Jamie Lannister kinda in you know in Game of Thrones. He almost gets there, but don't worry about the last. You know, don't worry about it. You see Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, who I guess technically count as a redemption arc because at the end they do what's right and they become <laughs> like they're able to get the same blessings that Obi Wan and you know Yoda get. But don't worry about it. Uh, you get Loki who's so good that he got his own TV show. 
So it's great. It works out in the end. But the importance of a redemption arc for our boy Eustace is that he went from being so despisable, so just unenjoyable to having been redeemed uh, in this moment, being able to find all the things he needs. And uh, he, he his life is changed by Aslan and his experiences in Narnia. And now he's the main character for the next two books. The Pevensies don't show up until, super spoiler alert, at the very end of chapter of book seven. And so Eustace is now your, he is your conduit into Narnia. He's the one with experience. He's the one that's leading our uh, adventure. And Jill Pole is now the new person, like with her life ready to be changed by Narnia. And, and they will be our two characters that we focus on predominantly through the next two books. But Eustace cannot be this character if he is not first redeemed, uh, if he is not taken from being the, you know, quote unquote pill that he was at the start of uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader to now being someone who is clearly changed so much so that now the bullies that he used to run with hate him and despise him and want to, you know, take vengeance out upon him simply for having been redeemed. But Chase... As no with our has an arc. Do what? No one else has an arc. I believe uh, I know a guy. You get it? Sure. I, I was going to make a joke about Eustace's uh, arc away from the. Mm. See, I was making said, an arc joke. You know, I said I know a guy. Or maybe an arc reactor. That's to make arc arc jokes now. You built it in a cave. Box of scraps. Uh, but Chase and listeners, if you are wanting to find more of our podcast, you're wanting to share it, you don't have to yell our podcast name three times out loud and hope that a guy in striped pajamas comes and visits you. No, it's much simpler than that. You can just type our name uh, into any place where you find podcasts, be that Apple, uh, Spotify, Audible, you name it. We're probably there. Uh, and it'd be great once you're there to help other people find us again. You don't have to type it out three times. All you have to do, leave us a five-star rating. Give us a comment. Helps people find us. Go follow us on at the Chronicles of Podcast just one time. At the Chronicles of the Podcast, not three times. Uh, and you can engage with us, find out when we're posting next. Uh, let us know if you know what things you're like. What are things you're looking forward to in the silver chair uh, and beyond? And uh, thanks for joining us, us on, joining us on this journey. Hopefully Eustace isn't dead, uh, but you can find out next time. There's no way to know until then. No way to know. You can't read on your own. You have to just take our word for it. Yep. Because every single book, I find a way to do slightly less work on the, on any of this. <laughs> Final battle, it's just like, hey, we read this one. Uh, yeah, see you next week. And we read it. You can read it if you want. We don't even necessarily recommend it. All right. Leave a review. <laughs>